It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Black ball. Black 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 What's up, everybody? My name is James DeFiori, and this is Blackballed. Touch them all, Joe. Anderson has scored for Canada. There's something about a sports announcer that makes him or her the integral part of the sport that you're watching. Um, during the pandemic, I don't know if you're like me, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, it wasn't enough to watch sports that were played in an empty arena because you needed the fans. But just as important is to have a really strong broadcaster. And today, I think I, I would say that um, he is my personal favorite sports personality ever um, that I grew up watching. And his name is Rod Black. Rod, how are you, buddy? James, how are you? I love the name of your of your show, by the way. Oh, <laughs> right? There you go, I, man. I don't know why I, I didn't become Black Ball Media. Oh, my God. Well, are you? I missed, you, you man. Bald? I missed. <laughs> are you bald? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I, you know what's funny? Let's start with that because I it's it's interesting. Um, when I look at pictures of my relatives in the seventies, and they're like my age, they look a lot older. Like the seventies were not kind. I don't think to anybody. <laughs> um, and then the eighties came, and so I was just looking at pictures of you. I was actually looking for mustache pictures without mustache because <laughs> I think that this guy, yeah, is oh a lot God. older. Than this guy, uh, but it's yeah. the opposite. Uh, well, that you know, those were the porn days, uh, the, the early days, the early days of porn. <laughs> you have the perfect name for porn. Oh my I'm God. glad you brought. I it had. Up. I got to yeah. tell you, James, I had that mustache for a long time. Um, gosh, I had it when I was probably 15, 16. It was kind of the time when. Uh, how old are you, by the way? I'm 45. 45, yeah. So I'm 10, considerably older than you. I'm 59, but. Uh, so that was like eighties and I had the stash probably late seventies because everybody had a mustache. Uh, yeah. <laughs> every rock singer had a mustache. It's um, true. I, I don't know what they were Magnum PI was very popular That's right. uh, Burt Reynolds. on television. I, I do. I think I did that because they were, I just thought maybe I was late too lazy to shave and My mustache was not a good mustache. Had a very young, well, it was a bad mustache, very cheesy mustache. And, uh, but I finally, it's funny, I got rid of it. Oh gosh, I got rid of it just probably, I would say, about 10 to 12 years ago. People always say, long, they, say me, they say to me now, geez, you look different without your mustache. <laughs> I haven't had it for yeah. a decade. Yeah, uh, you haven't been watching like sports for a while, Brody, but yeah. uh, one of my kids came up to me and, uh, 
was about eight or nine, and he said, Dad, I've never kissed you without a mustache. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? Out of the mouths of babes, and I did. And I haven't put it back on since. And uh, well, I think I, I don't I just, know where it is. It might be, yeah. I, I think it's one of, uh, it, it might be uh, somebody's eyebrow somewhere. I'm not sure where it is, what it I was is. Listening. I was listening to you when you were on Dean's show talking about how, well, Gino Retta had it for a while and then you took it over the opposite. <laughs> and I think I made a joke. It's like, it wasn't a mustache. It was just Michael Landsberg lying down. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was short, but that man is really short. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I guess. There's know, a bunch of, I don't know, jealous. I'm 5'6". I'm 5'6", and I found that, like, I thought yeah. I was shorter than everybody. Tom Cruise, I stood behind, beside him. Yeah. He's shorter than me. And, yeah, he um, is tiny. I, I interviewed him once when I was on Canada AM. This is probably going to be a show where I'm going to name drop a lot. You know, please you do. Know, I, I need I, all the traffic I, I can I get. Say, <laughs> I, I hate, hate, I hate name droppers. I hate them, as I've said many times. I, I, I said that to Justin Bieber just last yesterday. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I did. I, I'll never forget. I did an interview. Uh, he was going to. I think it's the movie Vanilla Sky. And I was on Canada AM and I had to go there. You know, you have to go one of those junkets. You have to stand outside. Uh, and I remember interviewing Penelope Cruz, which was <laughs> swing off the charts. Uh, and I'm going like, oh, my gosh. And then I guess they were dating at the time or whatever. And it was uh, I had to go interview him. And I'm sure, as you saw, like you said, he's, he's, he's vertically challenged. But he was a really nice dude. Uh, and I wasn't sure what I was going to ask him or talk to him about it, but I remember, <laughs> I remember looking at his bar fridge, I actually walked over to his bar fridge. It kind of broke the ice and said, Hey, do you want one? And then we were good yeah. after that. Was, <laughs> Did he, he say yes? Cool, Did he take you up? Did cool he take you up on Dude, it? Dude, he's Tom Cruise, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't want to talk about myself in this interview that much, but like, I, I, I will just, my Tom Cruise story was so much worse. I, I was uh, going to Niagara college. And when Niagara Casino opened, one of my classmates' dad was on like the board or was some investor. So we got to go to this opening. And when they opened a casino, at least this time, it was a uh, charity, right? But no, there were no limits or no minimums at the tables. They just did it like that. And my buddy gets up to go get a drink. And I'm yeah. sitting there. We're playing blackjack. And another person sits down. And I look over. And it's Tom Cruise. And oh I look gosh. back over here and I'm like, I don't know what to say, <laughs> right? And then I look over and I'm like, it's my friend's seat. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he leaves. Are <laughs> you was my serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people, and, the, and even the dealer was like, how could you do that? And I'm like, it was my friend's seat. I know, <laughs> you know, like, anyway, but, but listen, I, I, I was watching. You didn't try to get into Scientology or anything like that? No, no, I don't even know. Was, was he in it back then? 96? I guess he probably was, yeah, right? I, Did they have I, the golden I, statues and the yeah. and all that of him yet? See, see again, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, hey, sometimes you just meet somebody or you don't talk to them or whatever. And as we've known over this last couple of years, is that we get to know people through Zoom. Um, but he seemed like a reasonably nice guy. I, you know, again, when I, I interviewed him. But totally how can nice. you tell when you got somebody for two minutes? I also interviewed Will Smith one time, but I didn't know that he was going to be a serial slapper, you know? like um, <laughs> You know, I interviewed Bill Cosby one time. I thought he was a, a really cool dude. Did you get a drink out of his bar? Did you get a drink out of his bar fridge? Yeah, right? no, exactly. I mean, I'm glad I'm uh, – years later, I'm thinking, man, did, did I have a drink? But, yeah, you know, <laughs> so you don't know. Everybody has bad, good, and bad days. Uh, yeah. I just don't like but, I mean, people that – that, your uh, job aren't the your same job. as they are on real life yeah yeah that's right um but your job though um you have you have met so many 
athletes, um, probably other celebrities too, but just to focus on the athletes, um, did it take you a while to become sort of numb to that? Because you started broadcasting, I think, mm. in Winnipeg when you were like 19 mm. or 20. Yeah. So yeah. you must have had a crash course on how to be cool, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, you know, you're right. I, I, I was talking with somebody the other day about this. Um, and yeah, and I started when I was like, I just turned 18. And, you know, when you're 18, you're, you're, you kind of think you rule the world and whatever. Right. And, and then all of a sudden you have to interview your heroes, you know, and, and you're going, whoa. And you're, and if anybody ever says that they never got nervous, they're absolutely freaking lying. They're lying because your swamp gets sweaty. My freaking pits were sweaty. When I got to meet Guy Lafleur, for instance, uh, Bobby Hull was one of my heroes growing up. And again, you know, you, who knows how, how people, what they become. Um, but you, Jack Nicholas, you know, was like a God to me. And then same kind of thing. And, and, I, and one of my earliest memories of being kind of in the media, I hadn't started at, at CKY Winnipeg yet, but I had a chance meeting with Howard Cosell and I got a chance to interview um, this legend of broadcasting who was full of bravado and piss and vinegar and, and, and a, a human thesaurus. And I was like, I think it was maybe 16 turning 17. I had a little tape recorder, remember those? And I wasn't sure if it was working and I had to make sure. And he was actually so kind and so nice to me. And he, and, and for, I'm sure you got viewers and, and listeners who probably go, who the hell's Howard Cosell? Well, Howard Cosell was the standard of, I guess, investigative journalism or on air. And, on the, and I was like, I was like seriously shaking. And he goes, my dear boy, don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about a thing. You know, and they always and they gave me some really good advice. You just be yourself. Be yourself. Right. And he was really nice. advice. And, and, and I'll yeah. tell you another thing. He was huge. I couldn't believe how big he was. Because you don't what? sense that. Yeah, he was a big dude. And you can't, you don't get a sense of that. And I uh, thought he was tiny. I always no, thought no. he was tiny for some reason. No, it was like he because he maybe it's because he was always standing beside Muhammad Ali. Well, but... it's like like a lot of people say to me, and I'm I'm not tall. But I'm, you know, I'm 6'2", but a lot of people, you know, God, I didn't know how tall you were because they see me sitting there. Or here's the other one, interviewing NBA basketball players, and you're oh talking God. to them like this. And so what did you, and you know, you're always, and or I'm with my, you know, my pal Leo Routens, or I'm with yeah. Yeah, Mitchell at the time. So you're always around it. And, or you're sitting down and go, geez, I didn't know you were so tall. Oh, oh, by the way, where's your mustache? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was, that's funny because I used to live on uh, in Whitby where I grew up and Leo Routon's parents lived like um, four houses away. So I used to see this dude all the time. I was like, who the hell is that guy? He's like eight feet tall. I had no <laughs> idea who he was. Eight feet tall and he looks like George Hamilton. Dude, <laughs> dude, it's, it's February. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Where'd right. Where'd you get the tan from? That's that's exactly right. And, and you guys, so that's a good pivot actually because... Um, I'm I'm a diehard Raptors fan. Um, I watched a clip of you um, to prepare for this. I think it was yesterday night. Um, I'm going to play it actually because okay. I watched something where where you were being asked what your favorite Canadian sports moment was, and okay. you 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 did the at first you were doing the politically correct thing where you're like listing all these great things and it was great, but then you said, um, sorry, this is from memory that your your favorite memory was the 2019 Raptors championship. But what you pointed out that I thought was so poignant, um, and it reminded me of when the Raps lost to, I think it was the Heat, and, or, and LeBron James was like, can you hear this? 
Like yeah. they were, cause they were eliminated and the Raptors yeah, fans uh, were still there going, yeah, let's exactly. go Raptors. And he was like, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. That actually made me feel that he was going to become a Raptor. I was like <laughs> such an idiot, but I was like, well, wait, Trump's in office. You know, he likes our fans. Maybe he'll yeah. come to Toronto, but that never worked out. But, um, you said that it almost brought a tear to your eye when yeah. you were walking out of, was it the Staples Center? Uh, Oracle, Oracle, Oracle Arena. Oracle yeah. Arena. Oracle Arena, and yeah. and you said there was like 400 fans that remained there, and they started singing Oh Canada" like an hour after the game or something. It was they were singing it like with two minutes to go. They were singing it with, you know, because they kind of had an inkling this was going to happen, and they kept singing it. It might have, it probably was more. I think it started as 4,000, but 400 stayed, and and you know, we get to become broadcasters. We're just we are just um, highlighters. We are just we are just messengers. <laughs> we are just storytellers. We are the mm -hmm. you know here, here it is your your conduit to the game. But it, honestly, you know we'll let and, and us mere mortals. And I love your expo hat yeah. by the way. Thank you. Our, our, our <laughs> us mere mortals um, never get an opportunity to 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 be around that unless you're a reporter. And it is sweet. It is, it, you know, it, for a moment there, you kind of lose yourself. You think, hey, you know, we are we are all fans. Like, ultimately, anybody also, any sports broadcaster who says they're not a fan, well, they're a freaking idiot. They are yeah. a fan of the game. They're a fan of the sport. If you're not, get out. Get out. Don't be like, don't, yeah. there's so many jaded, stupid people, ignorant people in the world. You love the yeah. game. You love there, the games. And so there's I no really way. Did, I, I could hear it like today. I could see the people and. And, and again, the diverse Raptor crowd that it is. And you just look up and it's so Canadian. And the people there were so nice. And, the, you know, I guess with the exception of one security guard who went at Maasai, but the security guards were nice to keep everybody there. And everybody's hugging each other. They're hugging us because the players weren't there. We, and so because the players aren't there, they're in the dressing room celebrating. We're like the only ones there. Like they're treating us like yeah. and for a moment, you kind of lose yourself and it. Yeah, you do. That's, and I think I had a But we I like that. Here too because we, it was 25 years. We like that, Rod, though. Like, yeah, when, yeah. when I see a, a reporter who yeah. is who is literally trying to keep their composure because they're so, like, involved yeah. in, in where they are, yeah. we like that. I, I, like, yeah, as I think, a viewer, think, we want know, to see that. That's a, James, that's a great point. And I think during the years, you become very jaded as a sports reporter. I remember as a young, as a young reporter, it was so cool, the era... I wish you would have lived in that era um, because you were buddies, you know, like you were, nobody was trying to carve somebody. There was no social media. You, yes, you uh, criticized, but my, my, some of my best friends all played at the highest level. Now people would go, how can you be objective? I can be objective. Cause I can tell you if they strike out, they strike out. If they, if they trip on the blue line or they put it in their own net, they put it in their own net. They're still, and if they're not my buddy now, yeah, they weren't my buddy there, you know? So yeah. it was a, just a different time. And then we went through this, I think it was just this era of like investigative, you know, trying to tear people down, put them up on a, a pedestal and then bring them absolutely down, carve them up. And then we had, okay. So I've always said, there was a poll once that said that the, um, I don't want to say more unintelligent or stupid. That's not the right words. Um, I think maybe the laziest. I think they said the laziest people on the planet. There was some poll somewhere uh, that said the laziest people on the planet are athletes because they're so, you know, they grind all the time. Then I thought for a second, hang on a second. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. 
the people who cover the athletes are the laziest. And then then, right. then we got to an era where there were people who were covering the people who were covering the media who were and and we had this media sports media out there that was just designed to carve up, you know, what we did, which was fine. I don't care like, you know, who, who gives a crap. But it's yeah. like like, like, really? When did that start? Meet, Is that a then 90s you meet thing? Some of them, then you meet some of them and you, like, you can kind of go, he said what? Or she said what? And they, what? And they went, what? Oh. And, and hey, listen, we all screw up and we all make mistakes and whatever. But they would say, you know, you get too close to it or whatever, or yada, yada, whatever the criticism could be. And it, it, it kind of stings for a bit. Then, then you get to meet them and you get to meet them. And you realize they probably, as as much as we're the lowest life form being in the media, they are lower than the lower life form because they're covering us. Get a yeah. life. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny they say that because um, the 90s were kind of like, it was a weird thing. I used to joke with my dad. Um, he He's passed away now, but I used to joke with him that... Um, you know, if baseball stuck with cocaine and didn't make the transition to steroids, baseball still would have been pretty good, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it, it was because I, I was one of those guys that I didn't like. Um, I didn't like the steroid era. I thought it was fun. It was exciting. Yeah. But there was always this nagging thing. You know, it's like, it's not real. You know, there's yeah. something. something well, going on there. it isn't. And I'm, I'm, I'm a real throwback too. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever told anybody. I, maybe not on a stream. So here you go. Um, I have uh, one of my um, one of members of my family, my, my brother, who was uh, at the time was uh, a, an unbelievable table tennis player in, in Canada. Unbelievable. He was a Canadian champion. He, I think, he went to, he won a medal at the Pan American Games. I, and uh, he, he dallied after a while. You wouldn't think a table tennis player would dallied in in you know, uh, performance enhancing substances back in the eighties. And, um, there are a lot of, uh, there were a lot of people at the time and I was a young reporter at the time. Now again, and thankfully I, I love him dearly. And, you know, he straightened out and he, I think he realized, you know, the harm that they can do. But, uh, a couple of years later, I, I didn't really know a whole lot, but I, I knew more than the average bear because, um, where I was working in Winnipeg, they had, a a lot of bodybuilding competitions and I would go host and I would say, how did these people get like this? And it's kind of really started from that bodybuilding and strength training area. And then I did a piece in Manitoba about six months before Ben Johnson got nailed about steroids. Uh, and nobody knew about him. It was still kind of this dark secret, but I had a, uh, a football player, a CFL player, a couple CFL players who had to be masked and they know their voices were, were ghosted. And it was a breaking story. It, 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 you know, this, this was a, to, to me, it was kind of one of the first stories I've ever did that. It wasn't like a fun story, but it was a serious story that kind of, and then it was kind of a precursor, you know, it was like I said, like early 88, Ben Johnson, yeah. we went through that, the Dublin Inquirer, we found out more, we found out about the cheating. I still feel bad for Ben. I see him every once in a while because I don't feel bad because he did it. You know, you're cheating, you cheat, you cheat, but everybody else was cheating. You know, that's my thing. And it's like baseball, too. And I, I do think the record book is skewed. And I, I got to know Barry Bonds, who, by the way, is a really nice guy. I don't know if I'm many sure people know is. that. Yeah. You know, got caught up in it. You know, Roger Clemens, Jose Canseco, and I, the Hall of Fame thing. I still think they should put the best players. I don't care what you did. Have a steroid wing. <laughs> you know, have a little steroid wing. Everybody who comes in gets, gets a syringe or whatever. <laughs> have a steroid wing. <laughs> Honor the best players ever. But that era that you talked about 
you know, was, and it was just after, you know, that the Expos had left or, or on the verge of leaving too, right? And then yeah. the home run chase. And it was really cool. You see these behemoths. But do the math. I mean, long fly balls that would just become, you know, become massive home runs. And and through the years, the game has developed because of that that big ball blast steroid era has become this home run era. I'm a throwback. I still like the moving the, the runner, you know, this strategy. Now it's like yeah. get a guy on base and try to hit home runs. But I was never. We, when's never the last time you saw a bunt? Steroids. But, but here's, a, here's the thing, James. The shit works, right? The shit works, yeah. man. I've seen it work. Um, and people think you just take a magic pill or a magic needle or whatever. It isn't. It makes you train harder. Will it make mm -hmm. you hit a baseball more? No, Barry Bonds could have hit a baseball anyway. Barry Bonds would have been first ballot, may have been the greatest baseball player ever. And now forever tainted because he did it. By the way, yeah. it was illegal in baseball. Illegal. You know, illegal. Yeah. And so they still did it. Alex Rodriguez, it was illegal and he did it again. He did it uh, again. Don't even started on a rod. My yeah. God, you know, I I was um I, I'm lucky enough to um I used to spend um my two weeks in March at spring training in West Palm Beach so I could watch the Expos, oh, and man. they 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 um they shared the facilities with the Yankees. Yep. Um, and um, I, I'm just gonna share one memory. I was I was told before I started this podcast. I'm uh, Dean's like no, Rod, you love Rod Black, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, don't talk about yourself too much. I'm like, okay, but I'm gonna tell. Oh, the buddy, story I like hearing I like hearing your stories, especially. <laughs> well, it's just because I have you on, and I just like you got a million stories. I got like five, right? But um, oh, no. but one of them is uh, Don Mattingly. It was 1985 or 86, and and Don Mattingly was signing autographs and in front of his bus, and I was like this. I was a sneaky kid. I was just like walking under people through legs and shit. I was trying to get there. And I finally got up to him and I held my Don Mattingly fucking tops card to him. And he didn't even look and he just kind of went like this. Yeah. And it was like a swirl. Like it wasn't anything because yeah. I knew what his autograph looked like. Right. And I was like, yeah. oh. but then I, he went on the bus and I got trampled, like legit trampled. Yeah. And this arm reaches in and drags me out. And it's like this older like Latin couple, this short little man, or like the short little woman and this like a little bit kind of heft stockier man. Mm -hmm. And they're like, where's your dad? And, but they said, they're like, papa. and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where my papa is. Right. Like, <laughs> and then, um, and I'm standing there with him just looking for my dad and they're like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Cause I started to get upset. And then Andres Galarraga walks over and oh. starts talking Spanish to them. And it's his parents. Oh, and then man. my dad comes over. My dad's like, Holy shit. You're, you're with Andres Galarraga. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I just bought you an eight by 10 of Andres Galarraga. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, would you mind signing this? He's like, no, no problem. And they were getting me banned. His mom was getting me bandages for my elbow and shit. It, when you see the, hum the human side of a famous athlete, I don't know if there's anything, there's no juxtaposition to me that's more yeah. powerful, you know, because they're yeah. like gods to us. You yeah. know, like yeah. in a sense, especially when you're that. And, and the media, we've done it, right? We propped them up, the media, the history, especially baseball. And by the way, the Groshaw, a big cat, I covered him, right? I was doing the Expo yeah. games. And you're probably, I was probably doing them. You're probably that little, yeah, I was probably in my 20s. You were probably that teens, teen guy who was down there. Uh, what did you see the Aaron Judge thing the other day with the, that was one of the most beautiful moments I've ever seen. And to, there is crying you know, in baseball. There is crying. And there baseball. is crying. And, and it can <laughs> yeah. be. And it can be cool. And and thank God. I, I don't know what the gentleman's name is. But, uh, you know, good on you. from and, and Canadian. But here's the thing is, if I caught an Aaron Judge ball, too, I'm not a, 
Yankee fan. If I wasn't a Yankee fan, I, I probably would throw it back. But here, here's an opportunity to, to give this yeah. kid the ball. And it turned out to be this viral moment. These two will live for absolute ever. Uh, they'll probably be friends forever. And then the next day when Aaron Judge came out and the kid was still in tears, that's what this thing is all about. That's To me, that's always been the power of sport because I am that little kid. I was like you. Um, you know, it's just so funny. You got the Expo hat. Maybe there's a great, you know, sometimes uh, uh, fates collide. Um, yeah. I, I used to uh, go to the Winnipeg Whips games when I was growing up. I was like eight or nine, little guy. And the Winnipeg Whips were the the farm team of the Montreal Expos. And then we had guys like Ken Singleton oh. there, Jimmy Williams, John Buccabella. Boots wow. Day came through. But my biggest thing was going down for hat and helmet day. And if there was a foul ball, man, I again, I didn't go, I didn't really care about the game. It's just a foul. I wanted that ball. And yeah. getting an autograph from any of those players, I didn't care. Yeah. And I love that. That's and right. yeah, there are people like, and I, I Don Mattingly probably just had a bad or had to get on the bus. But I love the people who take the time. Just take it, it takes zero time to be a nice person. And I think yeah. we're kind of missing I, that in sport now. Every by the way, there aren't many autographs anymore, James. As well, you know, everybody I, wants yeah, a selfie. They got a selfie, but I um, hate phones for that reason. Yeah, you know? like, but it, they seem to ruin moments. Like you yeah. can't ever have a moment anymore. Oh, you know? like yeah. And, and by the way, you know, people are taking. I see people taking video, and it's nice to get your own. Maybe they think they're going to go viral, like that. The Masters or wherever it might be, or it can't be. Clearly, not the Masters. U.S. Open. You'll, you'll have, let's say it's Tiger there, and everybody's got a phone, and they're taking the shot. So that they can, and it has nothing to do with anything else except to say, hey, I was there. So That's it's right. kind of like Facebook, brag book, iPhone, me phone. But the, CBS is broadcasting this thing. They got about a thousand different angles. <laughs> yeah, the and their reason, cameras are the like a hundred grand. <laughs> taking it is to say you were there. But that's sports too. But I do love, I love the purity. I love that story you, you told because I love the purity of it. It just, that's why I got involved in sport at a young age and how much I loved it. And I do believe in doing the right thing if you're an athlete. And yeah, some people go, I'm here to play the game. No, you're not. If you're getting paid for it, you're here to promote the game. So yeah. um, it, 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 I just, I love, I just love all of that. And I love that Aaron Judge thing the other night. And yeah, I, oh, it reminds me too, like, I guess where I was going was that Jeffrey Mayer. Do you remember Jeffrey Mayer? The kid who the reached name. over the reached over the yes, ground. yes. How old is I don't that know kid? Many now? People know. So Jeffrey Mayer, remember he took the home, the home run away or whatever. Yeah, um, was it a Derek Jeter shot? I don't yes. remember who. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Jeffrey Mayer was drafted in Major League Baseball and ended up playing minor league baseball. And what? I think he even got into the. You have to look it up, but I think he even got into the Yankees organization. Um, but well, listen, can, I, can I you swiped it off? Can I use that story to pivot a little bit? Because right. you, you, I mean, we've established that you, you got to kind of live your dream mm -hmm. in a sense by being around a lot of these people that you admired. Mm -hmm. What did it feel like when your son got drafted? Oh, wow. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was really cool. That was really wow. cool. It was. um well, you know what you, what it is, is that you don't... Talk about it, crying in baseball, Rod. Yeah, like, it was... Yeah, I would have been a blubbering well, first of idiot. all, we were in COVID. I, you know, we were in COVID. And uh, we were, you know, we were supposed to have like 10... I think the, the limit was 10 inside, 25 outside, yada, yada, yada. And we didn't break the rules, but there was a storm outside. We had every, like... Two days before, we all had an indication Tyler was going to go in the first round. Uh, maybe even higher. And uh, he said to me, dad, 
I want to have a party. I said, dude, like it's cold. He goes, I don't care. Like, let's, let's do something. I think I'm going to go. And so, you know, the lead up to it was crazy. And uh, I, it, as much as I know about sports and drafting and have been around it, I mean, that, that day was like a scene, the 24 hours before, and actually the 48 hours, because we were in Tampa Bay, he had a workout with the Rays. And then we went to the Stanley Cup final. I got tickets tonight. What a dream day for this kid. Working out with the Rays, Kevin Cash, go to the Stanley Cup final, come home, draft day, Saturday. Tampa couldn't get to him. Milwaukee did. I'm so grateful. They're a great organization. But it was like being in a scene from Moneyball the, the two days. And I really let him, I've really let my kids do their own thing. And I, I'll give them advice. I'll push them. I, if they want to quit, you can quit, but pick something else up. But Ty's always been in, involved heavily. You know, I had a feeling at a very young age, he was going to be a terrific ball player. And, you know, mm-hmm. as he became a teenager, was there was clear evidence he was going to take it to a higher level. But the, the night itself was absolute magic and, and you know uh, he's got all his buddies there he's got the most important people his coaches joe boland the voice of the leafs holy mackinac uh you know joe and i started coaching together and i couldn't coach anymore joe took over the markham mariners where jordan romano comes from uh the team there and so he played with all these guys he had all his teammates joe was there all of our you know real close friends and it was um yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you, you go, well, you're, it's, it's not your dream, but it's your kid's dream. You go, oh my gosh, my kid, this is what they wanted and it can be accomplished and anything is possible. Then you realize, you know, you, you come down probably about eight hours later when you're hungover after being out with them all night in the backyard, you know, having fun, that yeah. the work begins. And so now he's working and, you know, he got banged up last week. He's back in the lineup for, he's playing high A right now and hope to elevate and elevate. He got a, was lucky enough to get a, get some time with the Milwaukee Brewers in spring training with the big club. And he got a double uh, with in front of Yelich. I'm getting uh, goosebumps. My kid's yeah. seven. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I will tell you? It does. Hey, here's the thing. I, it's really, it's really, it's, it's really cool. But you know, you, you as a parent, you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of gravy because you know, the bottom line is you want your kid just to be a good kid. I like, if, if my kid was a great baseball player, but then did something absolutely disreputable or my kid was a great hockey player or whatever, I feel for those parents that, you know, they've accomplished the dream. And then all of a sudden they just go sideways. Um, your bottom line is you, you use sports so that they become great team players. It helps them in business. You use sports because it, they get so many friends that become, I'm sure you have friends for life. But when you see have something like that happen, I, I, I think I had a few in me too that night. And then when I just, I, Oh my gosh, it's true. It's real. Well, it's cathartic for you, right? Yeah. And I said to, um, I talked, I think it was Bob Elliott, um, one of the great baseball writers, Hall of Fame writer. And I said, you know, honestly, Bob, I didn't think he'd write that. And I I am here, I'm going on, but I'm very, um, I'm very cognizant of Tyler's journey and, and my other kids' journeys. And I, I it's not us, you know, and I, I get, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable often and I don't talk about it often. But uh, I said to him, you know, I've done a lot of things in sports, you know, played at a high level and, you know, broadcast all of the Olympics and all the championships. But I don't think I was ever as, as, as nervous as, or excited as that night. And I, but you know, again, it's, that's, you're a proud papa. Like, yeah, that, yeah. And that's, that's what, you know, that's what being a parent is about. There's, hey, well, how many kids do you have? I have two kids. I have a boy who's seven and a girl who's five. Oh, dude, those are the magic magic years. Yeah, because I know. 10, I know. so you're, you're, hey, 
you're, you're dad, you're the best, you're the best dad. And travel them at 10. Here I'm giving you fatherly advice. This is on Please, Black. I need all uh, I can and get. Then, and then 10 and 12, because I got four and they were all, I had four under six, which was crazy. So they're now 21, 20, 18, 16. And so that must then they get crazy. Three years magic. Ago. Oh, and by the way, see, you, you're good because you got his own defense or, or you, you're no, you're man to man right now, which is great. You got two. I got four. Yeah. So we had to pretty much go into a zone. We had a full court oh. press. And it's tough when they're young, but then we'll they play American 21 into my head. And, and that cool dad that you were go, dad, you're an F and a hole. <laughs> you know, you know, they got, come on. Ah, that's a dad joke. Ah, come on. Yeah. But that's part of it. And, um, I think we all would say the same thing. We all do anything for our kids. And the yeah, biggest thing is just to guide them and, and promote them, promote them and elevate them and be proud of them. And that's all we are here for. Right. And be around them. I, and it's time. I think them. you're totally right. Yeah. Like, like, and, and, and it's funny listening to you talk because um, there's, a, there's a humility that is sort of like uh, the veneer in the words that you're saying. And I respect that, but baseball is also a mental game. And I just want to let you know that, that like I would predict, I would guess that your son, while he has an athletic ability that can't be denied, there, there's probably a mental game that he was able to strengthen from watching his dad cavort with all mm. of these athletes his whole life. Yeah, you I know? think, yeah, I don't think he may be wrong in that. I think it, I think it was more that he was around it and he was never intimidated by it. I was just looking at a video the other day of him. Uh, there's a, a you know, great story about him at a young age. He loved Aaron Hill. He loved Jeter and Hill, two yeah. number twos. And, um, He'd come to one thing about Ty and Brody, my other son, too, who plays college ball as well. Uh, they used to come to all the games, and I was I was notorious for bringing my kids. And it wasn't that I think maybe it was a cheap. I didn't want to pay for their tickets. But anyway, they always we have huge booths, right? So they were never in the way. But they'd come down early with me, right? You got to get down there three o'clock, three fifteen. So they sit in the stands, and you know, bug me for pizza. But they were always watching. They go to basketball. They watch, you know, like they go to watch Steph Curry before he works out. They they watched, and they I used were to like, watch Steph Curry when when we used to go to Raptors games yeah, in the nineties when Dell was in Toronto. Sponge, and so he watched yeah. the preparation. And I think being around it, then he understood. Then he met Aaron Hill, and you know, again, he I could see him like a little sweat, but he was confident. And I think that's the thing—you have to be confident. And he always, yeah, kind of had that. Most sports that he played, I think, you know, they call it five tools of baseball that you have. I think he had the sixth, which was really his, he, he, he's never feared failure. And like, even if you strike out, you just come back. And um, I, I, I admire that. And, 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 and maybe that was it, but I do, I do think, you know, being around all those championships, it, it certainly didn't hurt. I don't know how much it helped, but it certainly didn't hurt being around them. And, and, and having friends like Leo would always be there. Jack would always be there giving them, pumping these kids with advice coaches you know that they got a chance to meet that or old you know veterans I, I used to play on this legendary hockey tour you know which was crazy we went across canada and i feel know, like eddie shack was there for some reason i feel that? like he was there i feel like eddie shack was there for some reason. uh he was a couple of times but it was it <laughs> yeah. was crazy james it was like that to me that was my dream i'm a decent hockey player i played at a high level but i was more like an mc kind of comic guy set up yeah. skits we'd have brian trotche out there glenn anderson uh coffee uh, you you go Lenny. go through the list. Dale Howardchuck, rest his soul, loved him so dearly. We and, and we went across Canada and we played against police officers uh, for Special Olympics. And the show was amazing. Uh, the, uh, Kathy Spruill put this on, and she was an amazing director. And it was it was like the Harlem Globetrotters. It really yeah. truly was. And we tried. So my I was a centerman between no kidding Chris Nyland and Bob Probert, and rest his soul too. 
Chris Nod's got a great podcast always, too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, so my kids and I, we do it again, and, and we have a great time. I love those guys. But the, the, the my story is that they we kind of had a rule that if you brought your kids, every they could come and skate in the in the warm up. And I, my kids would always come just before the game, and they skate. And Billy Smith's the goalie, <laughs> you know, and he tussle again. Yeah. The, the, but my kids were around, and being around, I think being around that too, they hardly knew who these guys were. Well, thank God for YouTube. But man, they weren't intimidated. Here they were, these little guys. They got their uniforms on, shooting in the crowd. There's like fifteen thousand people at these some of these these games, and here they are, <laughs> taking shots with Ron Duguay and Glenn Anderson and Mark Messier, and it really. But they're playing it cool, though, right? Yeah, like playing cool. And thing, I yeah. do think stuff like that for your kids, getting your kids, it's probably uncomfortable, but getting them to be comfortable in an uncomfortable environment, I think, is a is a huge thing. And regardless yeah. of what they, you know, again. I'd be proud of my kids, whatever they did, as long as they just, you know, treated people with the decency and respect that they, they need to be treated with. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of interesting how parenting has changed um, from when we were kids to, to now because there's so much emphasis put on, well, don't you don't want to force them to do this or that. And it was almost as if everybody who brought up kids in the 70s, 80s, and 90s were like these really like hardcore parents. you got to play football and run it out. Like, yeah. But really, yeah. you know, like it, it wasn't like that for most of us. Like yeah. it was it, it was something – my dad, um, my, my dad uh, grew up in Montreal, and when he was a kid – um, Tommy, like, he was like really young, like he was like three or four. But anyways, um, a young baseball player came to Montreal and needed a billet. And he goes, I just want to stay. And he made a special request to stay with, um, to stay with a family that made good Italian food. And, uh, I can't hear you anymore. I don't know if you're muting no, no. for someone else. Oh, okay. It's okay. Um, I'm trying to get, and, trying to get my, here's, here's, here's a funny thing. I'm trying to get my dog who was oh, panting to get him, my boy to get him. Take him outside. Next time, just shout before he craps. Has <laughs> yeah. a dog ever crapped on your show on somebody's rug? Because that could happen um, any moment. Only now. metaphorically. It, it might go viral. <laughs> it's like, kind of like Leo Routon's in the studio. Is your dog's name Amber Heard? Just my dog's. Yes. <laughs> good, good reference. Yes, I'm Johnny Depp. Uh, no, uh, this is uh, it's Bo. I don't know if you okay. can see him. I'll throw him down there. There's Bo. There's Bo. Oh, there you are, Bo. Bo. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's a big dog. <laughs> 
and yeah. he has big um, turds, so I got to be careful. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, but yeah, so anyways, this this young Montreal Royals player uh, needed a, a billet, and he he re- made a special request for Italian food. And so when my dad was three, he used to go over to his aunt's house, and there was Tommy Lasorda sitting at the kitchen table eating my aunt's pasta because, you know, um, because he needed the Italian food. And the idea, like, I love stories like that because when, before people become famous, um, they're, they're these personable, uh, accessible people reaching for a dream, probably like your son was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And your son that's in college probably is like that now. And, um, it's important that they don't lose that. I think, you know, like it's it's like that, that grounding force, you know, Oh, that's, that's huge. I never forget where you came from. Never, ever forget where you came from. I, you know, if you do that, when you do, that's when you really like you're, I think, you know, then you're, then you're searching for changes in your life. And, um, I know I'm a, I'm a Winnipegger and I don't get to see all my friends that I used to hang out with all the time. And I never get back as nearly as much as I used to. Um, but Winnipeggers it, are loyal. You guys are really loyal. Oh, to your yeah. And, and because it's just, there's, it's, 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 it's like a big, huge commune. It's a big pierogi festival. Everybody comes. Everybody says, hey, how you doing? You want to fight? No, sorry. I don't want to fight today. Oh, you fight. I'll fight you. No, no, no. You know, nobody ever. There's no road rage. Well, there probably is. But it's just, a, it's, a, it's, it's. But they're walking with their beer. So yeah, it's, it's midway. Yeah, yeah, there's no road rage. If there's road Nobody gets out of the car because it's too cold. You can never have road rage. <laughs> Uh, but you know, just a, there's a humility to it, but I just think you, it doesn't matter where you come from. Just, you can't forget. And I think those, those stars that you talked about, the Tommy Lasorda's, they all understand, you know, how hard it was. And that's the thing. It, the whole thing is hard. The whole journey is hard. Whatever you do, the journey is hard. So, um, I don't think if you, if you start forgetting that, that's when I think people run into trouble. That's when they go sideways. That's when they get derailed. They get off the tracks, whatever it might be, whether it, perhaps they have some mental health issues as well. But yeah. um, when you kind of lose sight of where you came from, that's, that's, I, I, you, I don't think you can come home again. I don't think you can come home again. It's just that it's that hard. It's funny that, that you say that because um, I went to Henry street high school where the Oshawa generals all went and I was um, in high school when Eric Lindros said no to Quebec. And mm. I found it like really it was my first sort of like like close up experience of what it was like to be around an athlete who was being hounded by the media, who was being like, you know, um, who was making really bad decisions as well, though, at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just really interesting. I was playing I was uh, I was playing for the high school team and uh, him and I were playing catch and uh, a car pulls up at Iroquois Park in Whippy, and this guy comes out. He looks like a fucking accountant, and he and he <laughs> runs up and he's like, "Get your ass off the field!" It was a, it was a Quebec Nordique executive telling him that if he gets injured, then it's going to cost the organization like millions of dollars. So he had he wasn't allowed to play baseball. He had to get rid of his sports car. He had to like do all this stuff. And I just found it really neat because I was like 15 watching all this happen, and I was just like, "It's really interesting." And we watched this guy this classmate of ours and you know, this high school colleague, whatever you want to call him, make one bad decision after another. I'm not talking about the business. I'm talking about going yeah. out and, and just yeah, making, yeah. Yep. and, and you know, when you start a career like that, when your first domino is like, is like that, it, it, yeah. you know, he got injured a lot. He, he, I mean, he could have been one of the greatest of all time and he kind of still is, but, but he could have been a lot more consistent. And I'm just wondering, I'm, I like, maybe I'll ask you that question. It's a total philosophical question, but do you think that like, 
um, if you start a career like that, being a little bit entitled and making bad decisions, that it could impact your yes. your career later yes. on. Yes, I do think. I think I think entitlement is is um, it's almost. A, I don't think it's a sin, but it's close to being a sin. I think it. it, it I see it in our business now. I see it. You've seen it in the business now. Um, you know, yeah. and I think there are a lot of. And it's not just it's, it's in every business you come in and it's nice to have bravado. It's nice to have confidence. But you have to have quiet confidence. And I don't think anybody who is a superior or anybody who is in the work environment or a team environment and sees that, that, you know, that, hey, I'm me, I'm me. You, you got to have some humility to it. If you don't have humility, you will never get that. And I, I get a real sense of that. I, and and. Just look at every professional sports team, the players who become pariahs, right? Or, and then all of a sudden, some teams get a chance to pick them up. I, I'm just going to throw a name like James Harden out. I, I don't know James Harden that well. But look at the teams that, you know, oh, my God, I can't win here. I'm going to go. Or you move. You know, I can't win here. I'm going to move. How about yeah. playing for your team? Right. You know, I would arguably say now Kawhi's situation in San Antonio was much different, but that's how teams can get really uh, valued franchise players or generational players because they become these players become either entitled or disenchanted or there's some rift that that exists uh, between ownership and player or manager and player. But what the worst thing happens is that it becomes player. I don't care what anybody says. If there's a rift between ownership and management, they go, oh, no, that, they'll figure it out. The, it affects the rest of your team. Any yeah. it's I know it sounds cliche, but anytime you take out a rung of a ladder, it's not the same ladder. It's just not the same ladder. The only time I've ever seen a situation like that work was probably the Chicago Bulls in like 96, 97. You know, with Dennis Rodman, um, yeah. one of my favorite players. I like the shit disturbers. I do. I had Sean yeah. Avery on the show a couple months yeah. ago and I, I just I, you know, hey. I, I I love it. I was go, I was one of those guys where I when I grew if I grew up thirty years before I grew up I'd be all over Ty Cobb. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'd be um, you'd be James the Rat. That's right. I think so because Alan I like it still pisses me off when people like quote Alan Iverson about fucking talking about practice. The guy had a friend like get shot and killed the day before. By the way, Alan Iverson, Alan Iverson. When I, I interviewed him, generous. We became pretty as far as a visiting or opposing media could be i love them love talking to him fascinating character at that era that era you're talking about there were only two guys that i will i and i'm cheap i would have paid to play to pay to watch to play one was mj the other was iverson he was that good and i'm going to tell you he had this chip on his shoulder and i i think it Turn, struck people the wrong way. And it's probably one of the reasons Iverson never won a championship because it does it dissects the team. Great dude. Just a great dude. I just thought, and it was completely different than what I had, had seen from him before. Well, when pe- the, the reason why that pissed me off so much is that when people bring that up to this day, it's been 25 years to get over it, but like, or whatever it's been, his best friend was shot the day before. Like he was, you know, it, it wasn't something that he, he didn't feel like doing the scrum. And the reporters knew that by the way. And they still went with that other story. And, and it just, it was one of those, um, he was one of my favorite players. I, I think, uh, you know, and Dennis Rodman sort of had this too. There's that overlap between yeah. the chip on your shoulder and the yeah. source of your greatness. I do think, well, I, that, I, I like what you're saying though, but I do think, I like your, um, I like, um, I think you, you can't have everybody the same and everybody can't be nice. By the way, yeah. I don't take uh, my sense that in sense of entitlement or, or you know, being, uh, um, 
you know, the bad, the badass on the team. I think every team needs that. I do believe that too. It can't all be nice. The teams that the, the nice teams don't win. They all finish as you know, last, but you do need those guys. It's just when they become, if they become bigger than the team or you have different rules around the team, you know, Oh, such and such flies, flies. It Deion Sanders here. comes to mind. Yeah. You know, Rocket, yeah. Ro, uh, Roger Clemens, it had, it happened here. Now it happens with starting pitchers a lot, but start, he was, he would pitch. Then he would leave the team. He would get on a, a private jet and he would go to the next city that he would be in. Dude, just stay with the team. Now, again, I would, I, if I, I was manager, Roger, I would, but be... I, I never got yeah. that. I never got the mentality of that. You don't, you're prepper. What are you going to get to another golf course? Like, I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. It, but it, I love, it, I, it, I got to tell you, I, I don't know if I ever told you guys. I don't know if I told Dean too that that Rodman story. My favorite Rodman oh, yeah, story. Oh, all time. please, please let well, me just get settled here. It's a legendary <laughs> one in in, in Halifax because I, I do I host a lot of dinners, and and the Halifax sports celebrity dinner is, I think it's the best one in Canada. They 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 bring in some unbelievable names. Uh, they have thousands of people there. It's huge, and Hal Haligonians are just awesome, and they they want to hear the stories. Uh, so we used to have a lot of. Uh, a lot of speakers they've kind of cut it down now but it's a great night for these guys from the progress club and they do great work in the, in the community so rodman is the guest one of the guest speakers there's jim kelly rodman frank mahovlich brian trotche who hosting. booked them yeah what's that who booked them that was well, a, that's a brilliant book it's crazy did and that. how do you, yeah. you know i don't even know how they got rodman but uh <laughs> it's it, it's it's I, it, I crazy how they get these guys so yeah. um Rodman just before the oh Rodman we have a luncheon the day before and uh or the day of sorry the luncheon and it's with a lot of the special needs people who come from uh this home where the money's going to they're great uh Rodman wasn't didn't get there in time and so nobody really talked to him before the dinner it's a black tie dinner by the way so everybody's in tux so we get there just before it's like 6 15 I gotta go ahead and introduce everybody at 6 30 we're all standing back there trots and all these guys and Jim Kelly great dude and uh, Rodman comes up, and I know Rodman. He knows me. Though thankfully, there was we had a relationship because uh, I was doing basketball uh, with the Raptors at the time, and had interviewed him. He was he was always the go to because no one couldn't get Michael right. So and he goes, "Hey, how you doing? How's it going?" You know, yeah. And he's looking over these glasses, and he's got like black jeans on. Everything's rhinestone, black, black, black. He's actually dressed to the nines, but it's not clearly not black tie. Who cares? He goes, "Listen, I'm not going to speak." I said, "What?" Just ask me questions. Just ask, just ask me questions. Just ask me questions. You just, will you just ask me? I'll, I'll, I'll answer. Said, really? Was so, he drunk? No, 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 no. But I will tell you, I don't think he had ever spoken before uh, at an event like this. I'm almost positive. Anyway, we get we do the thing. Night goes. There's auctions. Yada yada yada. Frank Mahovlich speaks. Brian Trache speaks. And during the whole dinner, I did notice like there's wine on the table, and I'm. I'm just a person that I believe, like, if I'm speaking at, at an event, I never have anything. I don't touch alcohol. I drink crazily after, but I don't touch alcohol. I just know it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good not a good tonic, especially if you're hosting. But I'm watching. We had a comedian at the other end of the table, and I'm watching him and Rodman drink wine, and I'm watching Rodman do shots. Whoa, whatever. So um, I bring Dennis Rodman up on stage. <laughs> and he, I don't know. I don't know what the hell. Um happened but it was like he walks up so we're walking in the front there's again a couple thousand people and uh i said so what's it like to be dennis rodman <laughs> and he goes you know this is great i love it i love it last night i'm 
I'm in New Jersey, you know, I'm watching the game, I'm watching the game in the, the final, you know, the NBA game. And this, this, this lady, this lady and her husband walk up to me and she says, Dennis Rodman, I want to you. <laughs> and so now the crowd, think about now, Halifax, pretty conservative. The crowd is like kind of, kind of giggling. No, no, I'm going like, whoa, whoa, F-bomb, all right out of the bat. The bat. Okay. So I say, okay, let's bring it down to a, a PG level. Um, uh, what's the craziest thing you ever did on a basketball court? And he goes, Carmen Electra. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so now it's getting better. Now the crowd, this is like, it's true stories. It's like, so now the crowd is going crazy, right? And uh, they're, they're not happy with him at this. More giggles. They wonder where it's going. Now I said, okay, I'm not putting up with this. Like he's, he's now he's being a jerk. So I said, okay, here, I'm going to give you the mic. Why don't you just tell everybody, and I knew about his start, because a lot of people don't know he was undrafted. He basically came, he was working as a janitor in a high school gym or a JUCO gym, and he was able to raise his game up to become one of one of the greatest players, one of the greatest rebounders of all time. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I got, here, why don't you just tell us about that great journey? As I hand him the microphone, I go and sit down beside Kelly. Trotz, Trotz is beside me, just across the thing. And so now Rodman's going back and forth right now. And again, I, keep in mind, I don't think he had, drank before and and spoken at the same time <laughs> so now he's walking back and forth and he's very hard to hear he's almost incoherent because he's i think he's been drinking he talks like saying, this you know what yeah. so yeah. i want to tell you a story about this time that i was you know i was i was going you know i was a janitor in this high school and so he almost needs subtitles like he's like he's mumbling <laughs> into the mic and he's like you know this is like yeah 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 you know it's like and then and and he's walking back and forth pacing he goes and this little boy comes up to me in the gym and he says Dennis Rodman, hey, you effing N-bomb. He uses the N-bomb. And I'm going like, are you kidding me? Dennis. <laughs> Dennis, are you kidding me? Now, again, you know, I, I, it's the most vile word in my mind in the English language. Can, you know, I. so now I'm, I'm like, I can't believe it. The crowd is like crickets booing him. It's like. Oh, anyway, he keeps going. He keeps going on and on. Brian Trotchy is looking at me. Jim Kelly's looking at me. So we're at a dinner. So you feel like Scott Norwood. Dinner for charity. I'm, and I'm going like, <laughs> and he goes, Trotz looks at me. He goes, Roddy, Roddy, you got to go get him. I look at Trotz. Trotz, you go get him. I'm not getting him. You go get him. So okay, now Jim Kelly watching. should go get him. He's the biggest one. Uh, Jim Kelly's going, Rob, Rob, what, 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 I got to follow this. <laughs> So now, so now it's like, this is getting better and better. So now he's walking along and I swear, and I, I, I don't think he means well. I just think it's kind of the language he speaks in, whatever. So now he's walking along. He goes, and, and, and now all of a sudden during this story, Dennis Ross starts crying, right? Has this unbelievable breakdown and he starts I knew crying. I knew it. And <laughs> uncontrollably. So now like I his Hall of Fame speech up. was like that, Rod. Remember his Hall of Fame but, speech. But was I exactly. don't think he speaks very much. And I think that's the thing. He's so and so crazy. He gets over there and he goes, I, I, I get up and I hug him. <laughs> I got pictures of this. It's in the paper. Yeah. Uh, and I hug him. I said, come on. He says, oh, so he goes, ah, da, da, da. you know, he's slobbing him. I got Dennis Rodman tears all over me. And it's like really uncomfortable moment, but the crowd's picking him up. And I said, hey, you're Dennis Rodman. Finish it up. You finish strong. So he finishes up. The, the story is a good story because that little kid who came in with the epithet years early became his agent right oh, became wow. his agent and 
you know, that is a took story. him to great heights and changed his life. Probably we know the Madonna thing and, you know, Dennis Rodman, you like, like him, hate him. You can't ignore him. And he is, you know, a huge, he's a human billboard, right? Everywhere he goes. So anyway, he comes, finishes very lukewarm applause. I am, I got my, I got this, this freaking my vein here, just like pulsating. I'm sweating like a pig. Uh, and he sits down, he goes to sit, he sits down. I introduced Jim Kelly. Jim, you know, I can't believe got to follow that, you know, and he's got a beautiful Jim Kelly's wonderful man, great quarterback, yada, yada, unbelievable story, heartwarming about Hunter, brought the night around, you know, and we finished, we're able to finish strong. But I'm, I'm sitting there like this. I'm just, I'm almost not even listening to Kelly. I'm so angry, like that, that this happened under my watch because I'm the host. And then I get this tapping on my shoulder and it's a persistent tapping. And, and I look and it's Rodman. He goes, hey, I killed him, didn't I? <laughs> In a manner of speaking, you did, Dennis. I said, yeah. <laughs> anyway, what I should, you know, I guess the, the whole thing is at the end of the night, they have autographs and it's limited because you could be there all night. And the line for Rodman was incredible. He signed them all. We went out that night. We all went out because we go back, change, and we go for a limb. We had to, um, I think we went to, I don't want to say the lower deck, but one of those great places. Uh, the, what's it called? The, the the press room or whatever the press mm-hmm. in Halifax. Great bar. He couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have been nicer to everybody else. He was, took pictures with everybody. He was a nice guy. We sat and chatted for a long time. And then the next day was, I don't know if it was some sort of headline or something. It said Black Saves the Day because it was like, you know, go fix it. It, and it was kind of almost just, it was just before like the social media onslaught of Twitter. I couldn't imagine had it happened at oh. the time. And imagine I don't even know what if, that footage is. If I think, they, I think they've earned the footage because they don't want it out there. But it's, it's an incredible story. And it's an incredible story about, again, what we talked about, entitlement of an athlete, uh, what they think they can do, what they can do, um, how they don't care sometimes. The, the give a shit meter is so far gone. Um, but also, again, where they've come from and their story and how – the emotion of an athlete and also that there is another side. Mike Tyson was like that, is like that. You know, he's yeah. not the monster that you perceive, but he's got another side. You just got to tame the beast, right? It's, it's not everybody's the same. Not everybody can be, we all have bad days, but that night was like, honestly, one of the most unforgettable nights. We still, all I, I go back and host that almost every year. And I love, I love it. And I love the people in, in Halifax and and I, all I have to do is just say two words, Dennis Rodman and everybody laughs. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, that's the thing though. Like, it, it, because when you're talking about it, I can easily picture it. And I thought of the hall of fame speech where he was just waterworks the whole time. Yeah. When you're a celebrity and you're putting yourself out there and you're in wedding dresses in times square and you're, you're doing, you're, you're coloring your hair and you, you want the attention. A lot of times those guys are not strong public speakers. Like they, they no. become children yeah. almost when they're on stage. Yeah. But, and, and the starting point that Dennis Rodman had is such an amazing story. Like he credits Chuck Daly for literally saving mm-hmm. his life, mm-hmm. you know? And that family that uh, he stayed with, like he lived with like a white family or whatever that was yep. like basically adopted him mm-hmm. for a few years and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like- He's a complicated he's a guy. And it, yeah. it's, it, not, hey, that's the thing. We're not all the same old and we never should be. And I'll tell you, our lives would be so much more boring if they were. And thank yeah. God for characters like that, just as long as they don't harm others and don't harm themselves. And I sound like a little bit of a preacher, but it's the same thing. It's 
it goes back to what we talked about with the kids. One thing about Rodman is, you know, a kid came up to him and he took a picture and tussled his head and under, under still understands the power of being a icon or idol or yeah. hero. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's how many hats it, you have. Doctor Phil would have had. Doctor Phil uh, would have a heyday with with Dennis Rodman. I I hope yeah. and I pray for him just because I I, I just want to make sure that you know he's 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 always okay. And I do think he he fights some demons and um, yeah. some of the, the some of the people that we know in our, in our world. And unfortunately, we'll, we'll, with, with this this out here, yeah, it's out there for everybody to see. Um, we'll we'll wrap it up in the next couple of minutes. I, I I just thought of this now, and I just want to sort of ask you about this, but because um, the emotional part of sport is is so integral to it uh, a lot of times, and I'm wondering. I have this theory about PK Subban, mm. one of my favorite players. I feel like he thought he he was so dejected when Montreal traded him because he gave his millions and his personality and his life to that franchise mm -hmm. and that that is why his numbers have sort of been down since he left montreal and i know that almost seems like an excuse but i feel like if he stayed there and they validated his love for that city and franchise that he would still be a top defenseman in the league am i completely insane for mm -hmm. thinking that i don't know i i i you may not be wrong um pk suban is uh, first of all i love the guy and I, yeah. I and, and he's like a big and, kid, you yeah, know. And yeah, and his brothers and his sisters who have you know casually got to know him through the years. Uh, Maybe Will Smith to play his dad the in the beautiful in the hearts movie. to all his dad, Carl. <laughs> yeah, um, is an incredible person. The whole story of them, you know, Carl late at night, you know, taking Sunbury. them to Nathan Phillips Square because he was working in the day. He gave mm -hmm. them a great sense of discipline. For PK, I, I think too. I just think also Father Time is undefeated. Uh, and you know, you just, your, your numbers are going to diminish as you get older. I'm, I don't think they put him in, a, in, in, he, he's also got a guy who likes to do a lot of stuff and he, I'm not sure if that is a, is a reason he, 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 he's 24 seven. He wants to do stuff all the time. I know he will be in our, in our business for sure. Yeah, There's no doubt he, he's got the gift. Uh, it's coming for little, you, Kelly. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good little, and you know. I think there are a lot of reasons that stuff happens, but I do think had he stayed in Montreal, he, you know, again, he, he would have been a God there. But I know having said that, that, that deal, I would make that deal again. You think about that run that the Habs had last year, they, they don't make that run. I don't think without Shea Weber. So, um, but <laughs> this is a good one. Uh, I talked about my boy Brody earlier. Uh, I said, I don't like to talk about my kids, but it's, uh, this is not even about him. So, uh, he was playing for a team, uh, Richmond Hill Coyotes, a few years ago. And they have a coach. Uh, his name's Chico. I think he looked like Chico in the man years ago. Chico's, <laughs> Chico's a good guy. He's an unconventional yeah. coach. Everybody knows knows Chico. Um, so Great coach name. Jesus. First name is Martin. But he uh, <laughs> yeah. he's a coach. Very unconventional. Anyway, uh, good a skating instructor guy who's helped, uh, like I think, Alex Tanev. Uh, worked with... Um, others in the past. Anyway, he said before the uh, practice, he said, tonight, he's texted out, folks, parents be there. It's like November, right? Parents be there tonight. Um, urgent meeting. Every parent must show every kid. Kids must be dressed. Parents must be in the room and everybody's freaking out, right? So, whoa, it's crazy. What's going on here? So we get in the room and I also know like Chico was facing a little heat. Their, their team wasn't doing that well. And I'm thinking, well, he Maybe he's going to quit or give give the reins to somebody else, or maybe something happened on the team. Whatever they were young, they were, these kids were like 
12, 11, 12. So uh, Chico gets up. When the, when the says, ties were still clip ties? Is that when it was? Yeah. Uh, what's that? Yeah, yeah. When the ties were still clip on yeah. ties? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're absolutely right. They had to wear ties. They had clip ones. They had these little clip That's ones. Right. Oh, it was funny. <laughs> miss those days. Man, I miss those. You're going to have fun in, in that era yeah. and with your kids. And so Chico gets up and uh, he goes, Folks, and he's walking around the room. I just want to let you know that uh, they were in the OMHA at the time, or, or the O, said, uh, We just understood that uh, a very gifted player has uh, left the GTHL um, and he is asked to come on our team. We are going to import him uh, and we are unfortunately going to have to do that tonight. Wanted to let all the parents know, and I'm watching the parents' faces. I'm going like, whoa, what's going on here? The kids, like in their little bird cages, I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? And he goes, and, and he's going to have to tonight and um, we're going to have to cut one player tonight as well. So this is probably the most important practice that you'll ever, you'll ever have. And I just want to introduce you to the player. And he opened the door and PK Subban came in in full equipment. Yeah. And PK Subban came in and had, went with practice. And then next year, the same thing with Malcolm Subban came in and he was a goalie. And there, there's something, there was something extraordinarily special about the Subans that I, that, and it comes from great parenting, extraordinarily special from PK. I, I, I would love to see PK Subban find a place to win a cup or have more success like he did that did years ago. Come back ago. to Montreal. Bergevin's like, gone. Bergevin's gone, Rod. Tell him to come back to Montreal. Mal- Malcolm Su- Malcolm Subban. Uh, I'll never forget doing a Telus Cup. I was doing the Habs games. I was doing some regional Habs games at the time, and PK had just got called up from Hamilton, and I saw him. And he's, it, uh, he remember they had that they, they brought him up for that after that run. And he said, "Yeah, guys, I just love them." And they said, "Yeah, you're going to see my brother uh, this week." I said, "Where? He's at the tell. I think it's the Telus Cup. It's the Midget Championship of Canada. He's playing. I can't, I, team escapes me. A long time ago. He goes. I said, "Oh, really? Yeah, he's a goaltender for them." I said, "Oh, wow. Okay, Sudbury, wasn't it? I, was I can't remember. It was it was the, it was their midget team. Okay, not the junior team, the midget team. And so uh, I go there, and I sure enough, I see Malcolm." And I'm watching, we don't, we only do the semifinals and final. So I'm watching the preliminaries and I'm watching and I'm, you know, you're doing your research and you're trying to find out and it's impossible. You have to go on hockey DB and all of those other things for the kids <laughs> to find them, you know, like you're trying to get any information. And so I see this. So Malcolm Subban at the time was 15, 15, maybe 16. So I look and I, I find on the internet, I go, whoa, Malcolm Subban, GTHL player of the week. I'm thinking, okay, this is great. Goalies, great GTHL. And this is two years earlier. GTHL player of the week. I go in, I look at him. Malcolm Subban, who scored four goals and had five assists last week. Wow. He was a forward. He was a forward. And in two, I think a a transition of two years, he's playing for the National Midget Hockey Championship of Canada as a goaltender. As a goaltender. Like, that's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And um, I just... Like I said, I, 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 that's I, like I, finding, I just, that's like the first time you find out that Babe Ruth was a pitcher. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like you really, oh. but he's yeah, a really good pitcher. So now look at it. Look at the kids like, Oh, you know, the, the, to, to get to the highest levels, um, uh, just a testament to, to, to the parenting. And, and, and I love, I, I love PK Subban. I just love PK Subban. I love everything about him, everything he means. I just, I think I like you. I'm, I root for him. I'm a fan. I, I wanted to see him do better. I th- I think I just feel that if Montreal, uh, I've, especially after he made that donation to the hospital, it, it, mm-hmm. it just, 
I felt like if I was uh, the organization, I would have been like, let's fucking, he's not really a captain. Let's put an A on his sweater. Yeah. You know, let's, let's, yeah. let's, yeah. let's make him feel like yeah. he's a leader. Yeah. You know, let's try to get the captain yeah. to put him in check. Cause he was one of those guys that needed to be put in check once in a while. Cause yeah. he was a little silly when he shouldn't have been. But well, I also he was silly think on the I, ice too. Like on the, honestly, those first few weeks, I remember doing the Habs games and he was in the, I saw him a lot cause he was in the press box and he was the most, I thought he was the best defenseman they had on the team and they wouldn't play him because he just loved to spin and rush and take and he had the long stick and he he'd take he'd like to dangle and he'd take risks and it didn't fit in with i think it was jacques martin's style at the time and i went man and i remember Make talking with forward. kirk, kirk Muller, a left said, winger <laughs> can you not get this guy goes, eh, you don't like it. and kirk kirk muller what i think the world of too is he loved pk Subban right from the beginning he said He's special, special. Yeah. And you know what? Special player, special guy. Yeah. Well, listen, um, you, yourself included and, 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 um, we're going to end it now, but I just want to let you know that like that conversation, um, I enjoyed it mostly for the talk about, um, the look in your face when you were talking about your son mm -hmm. and the importance that the emphasis that you put on, on, on parenting to, 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 to have kids that are well-adjusted, whether they're in sports or not my biggest takeaway from this and and um i so appreciate you uh inviting me to the joe carter classic i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> i was yeah, i was watching did. that show with dean and i'm like how yeah, do we yeah. get in on this shit yeah yeah we <laughs> gotta i gotta call dean on that one that's coming up so it's okay uh um, it's all good yeah you guys and and it's um, um that's hey that's what life life is about connecting people and sometimes you don't get a chance to meet them you meet them later in life or whatever yeah. Um, I was just honestly just, kidding about the golf thing. I, I was yeah, really, you know, not you know, you know, hey, yeah. hey, life, life is too short. My thing is now, especially as you get to the, uh, I would say the, the back nine or the, the, the back six, uh, hey, hey, you know, uh, try to do hey, if you got an opportunity, I've always said, if I got an opportunity to help somebody out or make their day or, 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 you know, help their, in their business, why not? Why not? I will, I will ride into your trunk and high five Charles Barkley on my way. <laughs> I'll run, man. I'll run, man. No words, no words, man. I'll do that, man. Dude, are you the I'll man of a thousand man. voices? You did a I'll good Johnny man. Depp for a moment there, too. It was good. It was decent. Rob Black. I, I honestly, honestly thought if oh. Charles was doing the hockey right now, if somebody said to Charles, Charles, what, Charles, what do you think of the, the, the Toronto series? Man, I don't. I love the Tampa Bay Lightnings, man. How come they call them the Lightning, man? It's the Lightnings. It's the Lightnings. They're not gram grammatically terrible, man. Come on, man. And what about, what about Shaq? What about the Toronto Maple Leafs? They're not the leaves. They're the leaves. Could you, any English teacher out there? It's a, it's this the grammatically incorrect oh, series, man. <laughs> I'm gonna go get Shaq. I'm gonna die. Yeah. yeah. Okay, man. Um, okay. Rod Black, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, I would love to have pleasure. you back. Anytime. Love yeah. you guys. All right. Thanks, brother. Okay, take care. Dude, that was so much fun. Um, what a great guy. I, I really, uh, that was one of the greatest conversations I've had on this podcast. Um, he's, uh, he's down to earth. Um, he's got stories for days and, um, yeah, we really appreciate him. Thanks to Dean, uh, for, for having him on his show and even giving me the idea to put him on mine. Um, it was great. Uh, I don't really have much else to say about that because, you know, it's fucking Rod Black. Everyone loves Rod Black. Um, a couple things on Monday. Um, Nadja Caliber is going to be on the show. Um, Nadja is a friend of mine for about a decade. He's a dope hip-hop slash R&B artist. And he's also, like, found a niche 
and he's doing like World Cup um, soccer emceeing events. It's crazy. I've seen this guy in stadiums with 100,000 people in like Qatar and shit. So he's going to be on the show on Monday. And then I'm also really excited because Tuesday, um, I don't like genderizing this, so I'm not going to. But her motto is your favorite MC or your favorite rapper wears a skirt. And her name is Eternia. And she'll be on the show on Tuesday. And just wanted to make another announcement. One of the biggest writers in this country, and right now, actually kind of the world, he sold like 6 million copies of his books over the last, I think, four or five years. Linwood Barkley, the mystery writer, is going to be on on the 24th of May. So uh, that was Blackballed. Thank you very much, everybody. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on Monday. Cheers. I'm Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.